Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles and go to the book of Philippians tonight. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 12 through 18. Philippians chapter 2, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Uh, not too long ago, I preached a message on uh, one of the verses in this passage we read, the do all things without murmurings and disputings. But what I want to talk about tonight is the statement that he makes a couple of verses before where in verse 12 he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, how many think maybe that what that's saying is to work out your salvation, that we have to work for salvation? Is that what that's talking about? Well, obviously not. That would go against a lot of the Bible. But what's he talking about there with working out your salvation? Because that's what I want to talk about tonight. We had some testimonies of salvation. And uh, those are always good to hear, and I, I and uh, I love hearing about when people get saved. Get, uh, I like seeing people get saved, and you hear them pray that sinner's prayer and give their heart to Christ, and it's always exciting. But at the same time, uh, what's really exciting is when you see somebody get saved, and then they start having victory in their lives. You see, uh, maybe you see them start telling other people how to get saved. You see them starting to give up different sins in their lives. And you, when you see them getting victory, what you're seeing is them working out their salvation. And I believe that working out your salvation, what it means is it means to basically take your salvation and put it to use. Just like we try to work out our muscles. Everyone, they, you know, everybody's got muscles. Our body, it's got, there's muscles all over it. But the better ones are the ones that are have been used and have been built up. If you just go and never use them, uh, there's not going to be much to them, are there? They're going to be you're, they're going to be soft. They're, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot. You're not going to be able to lift very much. You're not going to be able to do as much work. And I believe with our salvation, if we just take that salvation and as Jack Parchment used to put it, just sit around on our blessed assurance, then that salvation is not going to accomplish a whole lot. Some people do. It's like, oh, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. But no, that's not what God saved us for. The Bible says that we weren't saved by works, but it does say that we were saved unto good works. So uh, good works are a huge part of the Christian life. We do talk about good works here, but they just have nothing to do with saving us. But we do believe in working out our salvation... We believe in uh, taking what God has given us and using it. He said if you don't use your muscles, they're going to get weak, and all, and uh, we need to we need to use that salvation. It also means working out your salvation. It means to train and prepare. You know, the more you do something, 
the easier it becomes. The more you work those muscles, the easier different things get to be for you. I remember when I first got my first you know, real bow and arrow that you can hunt with. I don't remember how old I was exactly, but I was all excited when I got that bow and arrow. You know, it was a strong enough one that you could go hunting with. I remember, you know, I got that thing out and took it and I went to put, you know, took it outside to price, put an arrow on it and went to pull it back and I couldn't pull it back. It was, it was too hard to pull back and I wasn't strong enough. And the muscles that you use pulling a bow and arrow aren't ones that you would normally use. I'm not saying I was a weakling or anything, but I wasn't used to those muscles. But after I started practicing it, after I did it several times, it took a while. There were some different exercises I was able to do to help with that. Eventually, I was able to do it, and it was real easy. But I had to put those muscles to use. There's people out there that are really strong, but there's certain things they're not real good at because they don't have the right kind of muscles. I've seen some of these farmers and things before. You can always tell a farmer, especially a dairy farmer, just by looking at their hands. A lot of them guys have huge fingers. And I remember one guy I talked to one time, he was a dairy farmer. And I remember I looked at this guy's fingers and he had the biggest fingers I've ever seen in my life. And I think it's from milking those cows all the time or something. I don't know what it is, but I mean, just strong hands. Just had, I mean, this guy, when he shook his hand, he had a grip that just felt like he could just snap your hand right off if he wanted to. And I don't think the guy was, you know, the guy wasn't a bodybuilder or anything. Just look at it, except looking at his hands, you wouldn't think of him as somebody who was that strong. But certain muscles, he had used them and he was able, I'm excited, he was a very strong person, had a very strong grip. The more, and the more we do something, the easier it becomes. And the more you use a muscle, the more natural some things will become. There's something that we, you know, we call muscle memory. Where sometimes people, after they practice something, after they do something for a while, they can do it really fast. And sometimes you can even go a while without doing it. But it's like you just instinctively remember how to do those things. Kind of like riding a bike, for example. I remember when I was a kid and I first tried, I remember when I first got the bike with training wheels. I remember I kept wrecking the bike with training wheels. I don't know how I did it so much, but I think I was trying to turn it like you would a tricycle or something. I just, I kept falling off the thing. And I remember when I first got the training wheels off, um, man, you know, I had a real tough time with it. And kind of the way I would ride it is I was just constantly going back and forth. It was real sloppy the way I did it. And everybody's like, you gotta just keep it straight. But, I mean, you know, I was making it work that way. It looked terrible, but I finally figured it out. And once you figure it out, you're riding a tool, they say you never forget. And it's true. It's just like, uh, I said, I don't know how to explain it, but there's just, it's so hard for kids at first, but once it clicks, it's a piece of cake. But it just, it takes a little practice. It takes getting hurt sometimes. But, um, we need to, we need to work out our salvation. It says, to also do it to to do it with fear and trembling. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So does that mean if we don't do this right, if we don't work for our salvation, we're going to die and spend eternity in hell? Obviously, that cannot be the case. But what I do think it what it ought to cause us to do is to realize that now that we're saved, we are accountable to a holy God. It says in verse thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings 
and disputings. This Christian life that we live, the things that God has called us to do, they're not, you know, God didn't just make suggestions for us. Okay? People think, right, I'm saved. I mean, I go to church. That's all I need to do. But the Bible says that God, He's working in us. God is trying to, if you're saved today and still alive, God wants to do a work in your life. God wants to accomplish something. He has a will for you. And it, we ought to take that serious. I mean, with fear and trembling, just like maybe when you first started your job, wherever you work, you know, you worked really hard to make sure you did everything right. You wanted to do everything by the book. It was real important, you know, when you started out that, you know, you made a good impression. You wanted to please the boss. You were very careful. And then as you worked there for a while, you know, it just, it kind of becomes second nature to you. You don't even think about it anymore. In fact, uh, you know, after you work somewhere for a while, sometimes you can do a better job than you originally did with less effort because you've gotten used to it. You understand it better. But then there's sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll get real careless about it. We'll get a little too relaxed and begin to, I don't know, maybe take shortcuts. We kind of know now what we can get away with. Maybe when you, I remember when I started working at Walmart in Spring Valley, I, you know, of course, they were real big on safety there. And safety, I mean, they drove that in our head from the beginning. I remember just starting out. I mean, you were afraid to do anything. I remember they had these conveyors in there. And I remember there was a guy that had got up on one of the conveyors and was walking on it like a treadmill. Well, they fired him because that was a safety hazard. That guy was long gone. I remember around the same time one guy was riding around on his pallet jack having fun. He got fired. I mean, they were firing people, I think just to set an example for everybody else. But you were real scared. And I remember in that order filling area, um, I cross-trained in there and you know, you had to be careful on those conveyors or you're going to be in trouble. And they had a couple spots where they had these uh, ladders that you would climb up where you could climb over it to the other side. But you know, when you're doing that job and you're on production, you get, sometimes you get in a hurry. And I remember, you know, at first, everybody would always walk down and go climb over those things that they had to go to the other side. But you know what? After a while, people got comfortable and it was a whole lot easier to jump it. <laughs> it was just, it was a lot easier. It was a lot quicker. Just put your hands on there and just kind of hop over it. And that's what, every, that's what everybody did. And it was one of those things where you'd get in big trouble. If they saw you doing it, but people started figuring out what they could get away with, and it would get, it would sometimes get out of hand, the things that were going on, the things that people were doing, because they got so relaxed. Hey, I jumped over the conveyor once; nobody said anything. You know, hey, I jumped. You know, I did this. I, I, I do it all the time, and nothing's ever happened. Nobody's, nobody's ever said anything to me. Uh, and I, I could give all kinds of examples of things like that there. You've probably seen that at your workplace. But I think as Christians, sometimes we do that with our salvation. We've been saved for a while. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I skip church all the time. The Lord hasn't struck me dead. And maybe when you got saved, you're afraid. <laughs> you know, you thought, oh man, I, I can't let that happen. It'll get me in trouble. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to upset the Lord. Oh, you know, I never, Tell anybody about Jesus and you know the Lord blesses my life. I don't I don't give any money in the offering. And we start doing that, we get real comfortable, and we don't even care about the fact that God's wanting to do a work in our life. That God's wanting to accomplish something. In fact, we 
are the this opposite of fear and trembling. We're not scared at all. We're not concerned one bit about how we're doing. We don't think about the fact that we are accountable to a holy God. We don't think about the fact that we are capable of falling and destroying our testimony. It says in verse 15, uh, after 14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So that part there that says, That ye may be the sons of God, is once again, is this saying, This is what you have to do to be saved? No, what this is, what that saying there is that you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God. That that's how we will be perceived, and that's how we will be seen to the world. That they will see us as boy, those are the children of God. Look at how look at how serious they are about their salvation and about their devotion to God. They'll see our testimony, and they will it will cause them to give glory to God. You know, we don't do good so we can appear to be great. It's all about giving glory to God. And God says in this passage that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Something that we take serious, but sadly, boy, we are so careless about these things anymore. Kind of like I talked about this morning in church. Uh, most churches are so... I mean, they're not even going to touch on certain sins. They don't want to make people uncomfortable. They don't want to scare people off. And it's like, why would anything that's a sin scare us in the Bible? Or why would we not want to hear it preached about? If we're serious about our salvation, we're going to want to know. We're going to be like David and say, you know, protect me from those secret faults, the sins that he did on accident he didn't want to do. We're going to want to know if something's a sin because we're taking this salvation thing serious. We've been entrusted with something really great. Just like that person, when they start that new job, hopefully they're thankful for their job. Hopefully they appreciate the fact that, hey, I have been given a job. I've been given a chance to work at this place. This place is going to pay me money to come here and work. I want to take it serious and I want to do a good job with the position I've been given. And we've been given the gift of salvation. And working out our salvation, it doesn't mean that we have to do something to keep our salvation, but it does mean, since we have salvation, we're to go to work as Christians. Someone, and sometimes, so you say that gift of salvation is a free gift, so now do we have to do work after we get it? Is that what God's saying? Because isn't it, if something's a gift, and I give, I say I give you a gift, and then I say, alright, now that I gave you this gift, you got to give me money. Well, was it a gift? No, obviously it wasn't. So is that what we're saying here? No. Basically, I think a good way to illustrate this, has somebody ever given you a gift before, but it came with maybe some assembly required? They gave you that, they gave you that gift, and maybe it had an instruction book with it. You had to learn how to, you had to figure out how to put it together, you had to figure out how to put it to use. If, for example, if somebody gave you a, a car, I know most of us in here we know how to drive, but hey, we've given you a car. But if that car is going to transport you anywhere, you're going to have to put it to use, aren't you? 
You're going to have to go and stick the key in the ignition, and you're going to have to put it in drive. You're going to you're going to have to put it to work. You're going to have to put the use. You can put it in your garage and keep it there and keep it all pretty nice, but it's not going to accomplish anything for you. Some gifts come with some assembly required. God has given us the gift of salvation as a free gift, and He's given us an instruction book called the Bible, so we can put our salvation to good use. God's given us this gift of salvation, and now He's told us. Now I want you to do something with it. Now I want you to take it. I want you to uh, spread the good news about this gift to other people. Just and just because you're married, it doesn't mean that your job's complete. My wife and I we got married April twentieth, two thousand one. When we got married, we were like, "All right, well, we're married. Everything's good. We we accomplished it. We we got married, and then just boom." That was all that ever happened. We went back to, you know, I went back to living at my house. She went back to living at her house, and never really did anything with the marriage. All right, we now we're still married, aren't we? Okay, you know, we've got rings. We're married, but I think everybody would agree that when you first get married, you're married. You now have a marriage, but the work is just beginning, isn't it? And there's a lot of work in a marriage, isn't there? In fact, when you get married, it doesn't mean that you have arrived and that everything is over. Marriage is work. And you know what? Sometimes you need to work with some fear and trembling. <laughs> Otherwise, you get yourself in a lot of trouble. You've got to take it serious. You've got to take it serious. And just like when you become a parent. I'll never forget You know when I became a parent. When Tommy was born. And I remember taking him home from the hospital and just kind of being overwhelmed with the responsibility of raising a child. But you know what? I didn't just say, well, alright, Sandra, you know, I'm the one that got you pregnant. I'm, you know, you had the baby. I'm officially a parent. I've arrived. And then never had anything to do with my kids after that. Okay? There's a lot of dads that do that and will brag about the fact that they are a father and a parent. But being a parent is a whole lot more than just bringing a kid into the world. There's a lot of work that goes with being a parent. No matter what, as long as my kids are alive, I'm always going to be a parent. But that doesn't mean I've arrived and I can quit. God wants me and expects me as a parent to do something with that. He's given us some instructions in the Bible about how to be a parent and how to raise our children. If you get a job as a mechanic, that may be your desire. You want to be a mechanic. And let's say you go to, I don't know what one of the car repair places are here in town, Pete Harkness. That's where I bought my truck. Do a little plug for them, I guess. And you go to Pete Harkness, and they give you a job there as one of the mechanics. And you're like, alright, I'm a mechanic. I've arrived. But you know what? Now you're, something's expected of you, isn't it? They gave you a job, but if you're going to get that paycheck, if you actually want to be a mechanic, you need to start working on cars, don't you? Now you need to do something with that position, and what determines your success as a mechanic is on how well you work on cars. If you work on cars and you're making them worse than they were before, you might not want to brag about being a mechanic. Okay, um, you know, I said that's what would happen if I was working on cars. I could probably go con one of those people into giving me a job. And I can go around and tell everybody I'm a mechanic, but until I start fixing cars, uh, I'm not really worthy of, of that title. I need to put that to use. I need to start doing something with it. 
And too many times when it comes to Christianity and salvation, people, they get to that point, they get saved, they get that free gift and think, I'm done. I'm on my way to heaven. You know, there's even parents, there's parents out there that I remember when we had the bus route, you know, we would get a lot of kids that would come. And we'd always go and we'd try to talk to their parents and try to get their parents into church. And I remember many times talking to these parents and they would talk about how important it was to them that their kids went to church and that their kids had God in their life and that their kids... And a lot of these parents... I've talked to several of them that used to ride the bus when they were kids and remember getting saved. And it was important that they got that too because they wanted their kids to go to heaven. But... I used to think, listen, if you want them to get saved, they'll, you know, I'm sure they can go that far. But if you want them to really live a fulfilled life as a Christian, um, they're going to need to do more than just get saved. They're going to need to be faithful to the house of God all their life. And that's going to be hard when mom and dad don't even go to church. When mom and dad are never there. And most of these kids, they'd go for as long until they hit high school and then we'd usually lose them. And the parents, it's like that, they thought that was good enough. And some of those same kids, I remember I'd see a lot of them in the detention home. They'd still get in trouble. They'd end up in jail. We'd never get them back in church. And they never taught them to work out their salvation because the parents never did themselves either. They did absolutely nothing with their salvation. I've talked to so many people whose lives were just a complete wreck. And the first thing you want to do is tell them about Jesus and the gift of salvation. And sometimes these these folks whose lives were a total wreck would give a very good salvation testimony. And you think, how did you get in that position? And the fact is, it's because they never put their salvation any use. They never did anything with it. They got their soul saved but they never worked out their salvation. They didn't do it with fear and trembling. They didn't take it serious. So the question comes to mind, so then how how can we work out our salvation? Okay, God's given it to us. Working out your salvation is not going to make you more saved than anybody else. You can't be more saved or less saved or more lost or less lost. But you can work out your salvation. And one of the ways that we do that, I believe, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I want to read this verse to you. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. God's told us here, I need you to get ready for something. I need you to prepare yourself for something. And that's to be able to always be ready to give an answer. Well, wait, there's going to be some tough questions that are out there. How many, how many of you when, you, when you got saved, you just, boom, automatically knew everything about the Bible? I mean, you were able, you, you could say all the books of the Bible in a, in a row, you knew all the Bible trivia. You could quote the Romans road. You didn't get downloaded with that information just as soon as you got saved. That was something that you had to work at. You had to get in your Bible and you had to start studying. And you had to, and you had to start trying to answer questions. And, and I imagine 
Uh, everybody, hopefully you've been in these situations before where somebody has been asking you questions and you've probably been there before where you got stumped. Or I mean, somebody asked you a question about the Bible or about salvation and you didn't know what to do. You know what that kind of was? That was kind of an exercise. And maybe it was practice. And maybe it was one that you failed at. But you know what? After you got stumped that time, hopefully what you did, I know every time I've been stumped after that, it's like, man, I did not give that person a good answer. And you know what I do? I go back to the Bible and I study and I try to find out. But what should I have told those people? And it caused you to study. And then you know what? Next time I get asked that question, I'm going to be ready. And I've had that before where I've been asked a question, didn't know the answer, and then the next time, I was ready for that answer. There's been many times I've been reading the Bible and I've I've read something that day. And then that very same day, I've been asked a question and I was able to give the answer based on what I read that day. That if they had asked me that one day before, or if I just hadn't done my Bible reading that day, I don't think I could have answered that question. And it's and I'm like, thank God I practiced. Thank God I did something with it. And I was prepared. It's like an exercise. Practice telling other people about Jesus. Practice. Start out with your family. Don't go, you know, don't just first thing you do, go out and try, you know, a Jehovah's Witness. Okay? Boy, they're tough. They're a tough one to talk to. Or a perfect stranger. Uh, Brother Joe Thompson, he's preached here before, a good friend of mine. I remember when he first got saved, you know, he heard about telling other people about Jesus, and so he's like, Well, I guess I should tell other people about Jesus. And so he went and he was there at the church and grabbed some tracks and he just went in his town and knocked on people's doors and he, he's like, I didn't really know what to say. They'd they'd open the door, I'd hand him a track, and it's like, hey, my name's Joe. I used to smoke pot, but now I'm saved, and I go to church, and I can invite you to church. And he's like, and you know, he he now kind of laughs at himself for that. But hey, he was doing his best. He was doing the best he could. And one thing I could tell you about that guy, I mean, he put a lot of practice into it, put a lot of effort into it, and and uh, I've been able to go out with him in a long time. But he got much much better at it. He had a very much better approach. Uh, the times I went out with him, then, then that first time, because he put it to use, he practiced it. You got to practice telling others about Jesus. You got to be ready to give those answers. That's why you read our Bible, and that's that's why you study. You're working out your salvation. I'll never forget one time I was at. Uh, in fact, I was with Brother Joe and uh, one of the other guys from our church, and we went to this bus workers uh, seminar they were doing at Providence Baptist College and it was that night and it's something they mainly do with their college students and they were doing Bible trivia. And I remember they were asking some questions and they, they, they got they were doing some pretty tough ones. And I remember one they asked one question, I believe it was the name of the I can't even think about it now because I haven't read it in a while, but the king whose aunt protected him from Athaliah. And I had just read it that day. And it was some weird name. And I think it was Jehoshaphat or something like that. And I remember, you know, nobody else stood up. You know, I raised my hand and I got it. And I remember everybody just got the shocked look on their face. I remember I looked really smart, and I was just like, and, and I, you know, I'll admit it, I got lucky. I had just read it that day, the day before. Or if I had not read my Bible that day, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But that's what happens when when you're when you're working, like when you're working on it. You know, you're working your brain by 
Reading that Bible at the same time, you're working out your salvation by studying it. And, and many times, just talking about the things of God, just talking through things can help us have a better understanding of things. It can help. It can uh, it'll, it can answer questions for us. And telling other people about Jesus, that is a way to work out your salvation. You, you've got to practice it. I've heard people that you hear them give somebody the plan of salvation and you're just blown away by it. Like, man, you know, no wonder that person got saved. Listen to how good they are at giving the plan of salvation out. They've practiced it. They've given it to people over and over again. There's been times, you know, and you learn little things. You can kind of learn to tell when you're losing people. You can learn, you can, uh, there's little things that, it just comes with practice. But you gotta work it out. So practice telling other people about Jesus is a way to work out your salvation. Practice following the commandments of God. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Now, that verse right there, I've talked to a lot of people that act like that verse isn't true that the commandments of God are grievous. What? I can't do this. I have to give up this sin. I have I have to tell people about Jesus. What are you talking about? That's that's grievous. That's how that's how they'll act. And you know what it might sound difficult, but once you start doing it and putting it to practice the commandments of God, it can become a natural thing for you to do. Just like certain exercises, the first time you do them, they might be painful. You'll be sore the next day. But if you continue to do that, if you continue to work those muscles, it will get easier for you. I've seen people that can lift a lot of weight. Weight that I can't, I couldn't budge to save my life. But they, they've been practicing for a long time. They've been working out those muscles and it's gotten easy for them. I mean, they can do it with what seems like little effort. And that's how it is with the commandments of God. At first, it might be difficult. But ultimately, it makes your life easier, doesn't it? When you follow the commandments of God. And exercise, it's difficult, but ultimately, it makes other things easier, doesn't it? It makes doing certain jobs easier. Obviously, if you're stronger and you have a job, and you have bigger muscles and you have a job that requires a lot of physical effort and a lot of lifting, it helps. That job is easier for somebody who's in shape than for somebody who's out of shape. But you, they've, they've had to have practice. And following the commandments of God, there's people out there that, boy, they seem to just be without effort. They're able to be obedient to the Scriptures. It seems like they're doing everything right. They've just got, they've gotten victory. It came with practice. Sometimes, I, I, there's people out there, I've talked about them before, that you hear their testimony before they got saved and you think, how could they ever, I can't imagine them ever doing that. I can't imagine certain people ever hearing a swear word come out of their mouth or to think the fact, you know, that they used to be a drunk or some of these preachers that talk about back when they were hippies. I just can't even picture it in my mind. And, but they practiced, they worked at it. My dad, he's talked about how difficult it was for him to give up rock music when he was a teenager. That was hard. That was work. But now, doesn't really think about it. Now, it's not that big of a deal. 
You know, there may have been a time where telling somebody about Jesus scared you to death. I mean, man, you were stuttering. I mean, you couldn't remember John three sixteen to save your life. I mean, you were just you were scared to death. But you kept doing it. You kept practicing it, and it got easier. It got better. So you got to practice telling others about Jesus. Practice following the commandments of God. Practice serving God. Maybe the first. I remember the you know when I started preaching, it was pretty scary. I remember you know putting a message together. Boy, it just it was hard. And then getting up there and trying to keep your thoughts straight and trying to stay on track, it was difficult. But just had to keep doing it. I'm glad that the first time I, you know, preached, I wasn't like, well, I obviously stink at this. I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> you, you, you have to practice. Maybe the first time you sang a song. I've seen some videos of me when I was a kid, you know, younger than Logan, singing in church. It was terrible. I, I, I was, my, my kids are way better singers than I was at their age. I was off key, and the thing with me, I had, I had all the confidence in the world too when I was a kid, and I, I thought I was the stud when it came to my singing. But it's like, good night. That was terrible. But you know, and uh, I, I actually did get discouraged for quite a while and didn't sing for a while. But you know, thankfully got back into it and just, just practiced, and and things got a little better. You got to practice serving God. The first time you witness. You might not do a very good job. The first time you get up and uh, you know, sing a song in church or teach a Sunday school class or whatever, you might mess something up. It might be difficult. It might scare you to death. It might be hard. But that's where that working out comes in. You just work it out. Without, you, know, you, know, you sang that song in church. Maybe it was painful for you. Maybe it was painful for your throat. Maybe it was painful to everybody else's ears. But you know what? Like, hey, I'm going I'm to work through it. I'm going to work through the pain. I'm going to keep going, and it's going to get better. It's it's going to get it's going to get easier. God has given us this great gift of salvation, and it's not just to keep us out of hell and get us into heaven. He wants us to do something with it. He wants us to accomplish something with it. He wants us to work it out and put it to use. You would feel terrible. You would feel terrible if you went and spent a lot of money, maybe put a lot of time into giving somebody a gift, a nice gift, and you found out they never used it. They never touched it. They had the gift. You went to their house, it was still sitting there, but they, they never used it. It was still, maybe it was still in the box. Hadn't even put it together. And you're like, man, why did I even give them that gift? They don't appreciate it. They haven't even used it. You'd be kind of insulted, wouldn't you? And here, we've been given a gift that cost Jesus Christ His life. And many times, we do. We just let it sit there. Well, I've got it. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. I'm just content to have it. I'll let it sit on a shelf in a box. No, God wants us to put it to use. And that's what we need to do tonight. So with that, we're going to stand together. Our heads bowed and eyes closed.